It's good to see you this morning. Hope you're having a great week. Uh, good to have our online folks with us today. Thanks for being here. I uh, hope that all of you online, you here, have your one that you're praying for, working with, and inviting. As I said, this is a great time, a great open door into this body of Christ. And I hope you'll take advantage and let's just see what God can, can do. I was telling our production crew this morning, there's really no reason God can't start a revival with us. But we got to pray for it. And a revival is not something that we engineer or you do revival stuff. You simply go and you ask the Spirit of God to begin to move among his people. And then people surrender, as our scripture talked about this morning. Uh, Jesus surrendering to the Holy Spirit, going into the wilderness. Our job is to simply not question the Spirit, but obey. And I think we'll find that our life is a lot fuller. Okay? And I had one of our, our guys come up to me last week, and he said, of course, I'd never mentioned Ray's name, but he said, Preacher, I found this wallet. It's fat. It's full of money. I said, well, did you turn it back, give it back? He said, not yet. I'm trying to figure out is it a temptation from the devil or an answer to prayer. <laughs> and you know, sometimes that's how we look at temptation. Uh, we, we really, I don't think we really have that biblical view of temptation. Uh, in preparing for this message, I I begin to remember my years of uh, being lost. Uh, only occasionally did I need Satan to come and tempt me to do something. Uh, when I was lost, like every person without Christ, we just do what we do. We live our life in a carnal manner. And every once in a while we'll have this pain or maybe... Our our wife speaks to us and we say, okay, I'm going to straighten up. I'm going to be good. And then you're tempted. But as a child of God, I want you to understand something. Don't be discouraged and don't be surprised when you are tempted. I mean, that's Satan's job. We need to realize he hates God. He wanted to be God. He was cast to earth. He's the prince of this domain. And the world system really, you can tell it's the, the power of Satan in this domain. And so in his hatred, in his hatred for God, he comes after every person who is a child of God for one reason. That's to go before God and to accuse you and I when we fall to temptation before God. If you want a picture of that, read the book of Job. How Satan goes before God. It's amazing to realize that Satan comes in and accusing us as he tempts us to, to fall 
to his temptation. We're going to look at some scripture. I'm going to use a couple of scriptures. Mark, as you have picked up if you're reading, is very quick. Matthew, Luke, they give a full explanation. Mark's main word, he uses over 33 times in this scripture, in his book, in some way, immediately. And we see it again here today, immediately. Mark basically goes from one thing to the next to share all. It's like Peter or or others talking to him, telling him what Jesus was doing. And he can't wait to pass that on. Have you ever seen some stuff you just can't wait to pass it on? And, And you know that if you don't hurry up and do it, you'll forget it? Hey, we're at that age, you know. So we live a life of sticky notes, right? My biggest problem now, and I'm trying to figure out what the sticky note was for. I read it, but I I don't know why I wrote it. But you, you understand, immediately we want to get this out. And so that's a characteristic. So I'm going to read the passage from Mark, and then we're going to go to the fourth chapter of the book of Luke, and we'll read a fuller account, okay? Let's look at the scriptures. Mark, chapter 1, at once, <laughs> here's Mark, at once the Spirit sent him into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and angels attended him. All right, let's go to Luke. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I think in Matthew, it says the Spirit drove. Uh, don't, don't misinterpret that word. It was, he was full of the Spirit. And being full of the Spirit, the Spirit was testifying, go to the wilderness. So that's the reason Matthew used that word. It said for, for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Stop there a minute. I've heard people, preachers, say he had no water and no food for 40 days. Now, Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man. He had water, but he fasted for 40 days without food, okay? The devil said to him, now he's at his weakest point. Let me me say something else. If you remember the beginning of temptation, the first recorded temptation in the Bible we found in Genesis, right? Where was Adam? Adam? was in the Garden of Eden. Adam was in a perfect environment. Everything was great. He's probably full of the great food that he had there. I mean, this is perfect environment to live. It's the the presence of God, the creation of God. He's with God, naming animals. Every day God walks with him in the cool of the air, and he has... His first temptation, and Adam fails. Now we have Jesus in the wilderness. 
humanly weak from no food. And here comes Satan. If you, and he said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God. Now let me say something about this word right here. It's not doubting. Satan isn't saying, if. You know, has anybody ever said to you, if you can do this, do it. There's a lot of doubt. The better translation for this word, if, is since. Because Satan knows exactly who God is. Perfectly. So, it's since you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Matthew says, Jesus said to him, Satan, be gone. Now, why is this recorded in Scripture? Have you ever thought about it? What, what was the reason for us to read about Jesus being tempted? Why is it right at the beginning of his ministry? The one thing I do appreciate by Mark is the timeline that he gives us. He goes from one thing to another. However, there were some intervening things that went on. But right from the beginning of his ministry, Jesus goes to the devil out in the wilderness for the temptation. He was compelled by the Spirit. And you see, Jesus went to the wilderness. This is recorded for us because just as Jesus soon after this would pick his disciples and begin his ministry, this was his first confrontation with Satan. Because Jesus came here and the purpose of him coming was that he would be that perfect, righteous, sacrifice for the sins of the world to reclaim God's creation out of the hands of Satan to defeat Satan and yank this kingdom back from him. And this was a warning shot across the bow. It's amazing that Satan said he left for a more opportune time. And of course, we know when that was, right? It's when he was beginning right before 
he went to the cross and was his final, final. That, listen, when he said it is finished, that is a victory yell. And when the grave came open, I can imagine when that stone rolled back, the demons in hell that was celebrating the death of their arch enemy, their blood ran cold because in that moment, they knew they were history. They were doomed because the Son of God triumphed. All right, let's talk a little bit. What about temptation? Are y'all there? Do you think your temptation is unique? I mean, I've heard people say, I don't think, I've never been tempted like this. And, and others say, well, if they're in a crowd, will say, oh, no, I've been tempted like this. And we talk sometimes as if what we're going through is unique and no one on the face of the earth has ever faced our temptation. And what that does, it will tear you down. It will isolate you in thought. And you're saying, I'm the only one going through this. Therefore, there is no hope for me. And folks, that's just a part of the temptation. Isolation. I can't do it. What does is, what is 2 Corinthians tell us about this? Here we go. So, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. I like the way this begins because when recorded in scripture and in your life and my life are we most likely to be hit by temptation when we say we're standing firm everything's good everything's going great I don't have a problem in the world and here comes Satan so if you think you're standing firm be careful Be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. We're going to see the definition of temptation in just a moment. So when Satan tries to isolate you and say you're the only one going through this, understand the scripture says it's common to mankind. Listen, Satan, while he is clever And brilliant in some ways, he really has just a small arsenal that he uses against you and I. Think about it. And when we read that scripture in a minute, you're going to see. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. What do we say when we're tempted? I can't take it, right? I can't do this. I can't go through it. I'm defeated. No. God, just like he did with Job. Remember? Satan went to God and he said, You know, your servant Job, if you were to take away your blessings, he would curse you. And so God put parameters on Job and said, You can do anything you want except you can't kill him. You can't touch his life. Do you realize that as a child of God, Satan has parameters 
on how far and what he can do to you and I. We're not alone as when Satan tempts and speaks into our mind, he tries to tell us. We're not alone. We're having the same temptation everybody's having. And we are not alone because God has said this far and no further. I like that. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. The way out. You know, scriptures record and says to us in that day of heavy temptation. In that day when our life is very on the line. Don't worry about what you will say. Because God will speak into you. God will equip you to meet the situation. Isolation. The fear of isolation. The fear of failure. Is the one thing that absolutely Satan uses on all of us. I read a, a uh, quote from A.W. Tozer. He's a well-known Canadian pastor, theologian, always has these thoughts. Every time I read Dr. Tozer, I think, man, I wish I'd have said that. And here's what he said. God may allow his servant to succeed when he has disciplined him to a point where he does not need to succeed to be happy. Think about that. We are driven by a need to be happy. He goes on and says, The man who is elated by success and is cast down by failure is still a carnal man. You see, we find our joy not in circumstances, not in situations, and not in stuff accumulated. We find our joy in the Lord. And walking in his presence. And realize we will forever be in his presence. And that he loved us so much that he allowed his son to pay the debt we can never pay. Jesus, our joy is in him. Let's go on. What is temptation? What is temptation? First John chapter 2 says this. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. That is a basis of temptation. You know, many times we try to put a face on temptation and say, my temptation is this. You know, I'm tempted by this. But in reality, this is that definition. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Anything can be turned in to a temptation. And the problem sometimes is that we, as Christians, we don't want to really do that stuff. But we're tempted because of the word that was used three times, lust, lust, lust. And that's a desire that is overwhelming. We want these things. And so we just kind of enjoy the temptation. 
You say, preacher, what are you talking about? How about online pornography? Ladies, I'm not just talking about men. I'm talking about you too. Because there's studies that shows that women have come a long way. <laughs> they now suffer from the same things that men do. You want to see it, but then you justify by simply saying, oh, I would never, ever do that. The Bible says, do not give place for the devil. And when we have a desire for something that is worldly, and we find ourselves continually fighting the same thing, the same battles. You can almost, before you lay down at night, write down the temptations you're going to face tomorrow. And when you wake up, they'll be there because you have not settled the issue. You've not put it to bed, so to speak. You're still, quote, wrestling with it because for whatever reason, the flesh gets some type of pleasure from it. James 1 says this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil. Wow, I caught you sleeping. Dragged away by their own evil. And enticed. If you didn't have, go back to that. If you did not have the desire, you would not be enticed. Am I wrong? If you didn't have this, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life, you wouldn't be enticed. I am not enticed to eat broccoli. In any way, shape, form, or fashion. You can smother it in butter. You can put bacon on it. I'd eat the bacon off, but I, I, I don't want broccoli. And you see, that's where we've got to go with sin. We, we Listen, we sometimes Christians think we have this free ride that just because we're covered with grace, that grace means... That we got a little more latitude than those lost people. And that's not true. We have the Spirit of God. We have the presence of God living in us. And our goal, our desire should be, if God hates it, so do I. Now, I'm going to make a confession. I love liver and onion. Man, you make a gravy and some big cat head biscuits and get out of the way. I wanted my children to like liver. But with them standing there, I'd say, I can remember the first time I told my wife, let's buy some liver. We have liver and onions. My wife said, the children won't like it. And guess what? The children don't like it. They have no idea. My three sons have never tasted liver. But they heard mama say, 
the boys won't like it. And you see, Jesus talked about us coming to him like a child. I got a feeling sometimes, me included, we're too macho. We're too, we want to be things that God didn't really want us to be. We need to be a child. If my daddy hates it, I hate it. If my daddy likes it, I like it. Just because he's our father. That's the mindset that will enable you to move those ever-present temptations in your life on a shelf where they just don't bother you anymore. Well, we just answered the question, do temptations come from God? I remember years ago, I was first in the pastorate. And do y'all remember Ann Landers? How many of you know she had a sister that that had wrote columns? Okay. Someone wrote her, and she somehow passed this along to Billy Graham. And the letter said, I've been married for 30 years, and God has brought a wonderful man into my life who fulfills me in ways that my husband doesn't. Is it okay for me to get a divorce? And then she put P.S. By the way, I'm in the process. He's God's gift. (laughs) Billy Graham answered that letter very well. You see, God doesn't tempt you to do anything that is against his nature. And so temptations don't come from God. And again, that is a cover story that we sometimes use. It's almost like finding the wallet and you decide, is it a temptation or is it an answer to prayer? Well, when you're tempted, what can you do? We're going to be tempted. What can you do? James 4 answers that question. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I had a man argue with me on an ongoing basis. Every time he would see me Sunday morning, I'd be walking in to, to go preach and he'd just kind of hang out. I've never had the devil, you know, flee from me. And so I just told him, that's very simple. You've never resisted him. I want you to understand We need to understand that what the Word of God says, it means. And so many times we try to explain the unexplainable and the very clear until we explain things away. I don't know why he does other than this fact. When we resist the devil, I vision God kind of coming up in back of you. You, do you. Do you remember Tom and Jerry? That cat would chase that, that, little, that little mouse all over the place. Then he would stop and be cornered, and he'd come at him with a club, and all of a sudden, the shadow of that great big bulldog came up. That cat dropped that. I think that's the reason. Because when you are resisting the devil, you are submitting yourself to God. And God then 
will fight your battle. You like that? I like that. The problem is we're alike. We want to fight our own battles. God didn't, God didn't leave us here to fight our own battles. He left us here to go through battles, through temptations, to show the power of God and glorify Him. Let's, let's go. If you come near to God, He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinner. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will lift you up. That, my friend, is how you respond to temptation. Submitting and drawing near. And then God, you're saying to God, here it is, God. You said, when I'm here, come close to you. And listen, that doesn't mean you'll never face that temptation again. But when you keep submitting and drawing near to God, that temptation will become to you something akin to broccoli is to me. Because through the power of the Word of God and His presence, you find out that what you once enjoyed, what you once thought looked good, was nothing but a facade. And there is only one good. And there is only one satisfying life. And that's found in Jesus Christ. All right. We need, I I need to share with you. Don't confuse a temptation with a trial. Okay? Don't confuse. A temptation comes from Satan to defeat you, discourage you, and it is directed at God through you. That's why he tempts you. To get it God. And he doesn't care who he destroys. Now, trial. Trial is a Greek word that denotes trouble or something that breaks the pattern of peace, comfort, and joy in someone's life. So, what, what, how do we account for a trial? Well, James has some radical, radical advice. Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Now, I always say things like this. Don't get stupid. I've heard people, in fact, I saw a guy get up and testify. I thank God that I had a wreck, totaled my car, and broke both of my legs because I found Jesus. And I thought, it took all that to find Jesus? God never said to thank God for a total car and two broken legs. Do you see how that sounds to an unsaved world? It's like, wow, I hope God doesn't like me. That doesn't show love. What we are, what James is talking about is in this trial, something that breaks our joy, breaks our peace. As we trust God, and as we walk through this, we find out something wonderful happens. 
Our faith is exposed for what it is. It is a faith not in ourselves, but in God and God alone. And that faith creates a strength in us. And it shows that we're growing in the Lord. How many times have we said, I don't know I could, if I could have gone through that several years ago. Why? Because God gives us graciously trials in our lives as a measurement for us. God's not trying. I've heard people say God's trying to see how much faith you got. There's nothing hidden from God. He knows exactly. But it's to show you and I. And it shows us to the extent that we trust God. But God also shows us to the extent that we can trust him. Because in this life, we can either go to one or two things. A temptation is a temptation for the now. Temporal. Get something right now that kind of cleanses or fills a longing that's within me. And what happens to that longing? As soon as it leaves you, you got to have it again. It never fully satisfies. It never fully helps. What God offers us is eternal. The eternal equation. The eternal answer to our lives. And what God is moving us through in this world is that point where nothing else matters in life but God. And I will assure you, you will not be so heavenly minded you're no earthly good. I've heard that said to the point that we have gone the exact opposite way. Because what that's... What that is saying is that somehow we just float around in life. We don't know what's really going on. But I'll tell you, the most astute people in the world are people with a biblical worldview, with the presence of Christ that lives within them, that navigates them through every step of life. Because you know God is sovereign. God has every step in life planned God has a plan, will fulfill his plan. We're part of that plan, and everything he promises us is eternal. It is fulfilling, and it moves us to that point that the one thing we really want is the presence of God in our life. A trial will bring you to that point. I love that old, old hymn. It's a revival. I don't know why it's just a revival hymn. I think George Beverly Shea. Am I right, lady? I'd rather have Jesus than anything. Didn't he sing that in Billy Graham Crusades? That big old booming voice. I love that song. Have you ever thought? I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold, than castles. The world says you're crazy when you think that. Let me tell you, you're not. Because you see, 
That is a pleasure that the world is looking for, but they cannot find because it's only in Christ. Folks, I want to offer you encouragement this day. If you have never answered the call of Jesus to come to him, to bring your burdens, to bring your cares, to lay that life down, pick up his life. I can think of a no better time. If you're online, there's a button that says, I have decided. You hit that button. Follow the prompting. Someone will be in touch with you because we want you to know Jesus. If you're here today, I always stand over there. Listen, you want to talk to me? You come there if you want to catch me afterwards. Our staff is here. We want you to know Jesus. If you followed Jesus, but you've never been baptized, I urge you to fulfill all obedience, just like Jesus did. Follow him in that believer's baptism. Come to Jesus. And I pray every day. Revival fires start here. As God begins to show himself strong and we begin a movement the world can't stop, a movement towards Jesus. Father, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you it never diminishes, never goes away. Father, show yourself strong. And as you call others to you today, may we see the the beginning of a yielding to the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.